This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back to Spidey's 16th Minute. I've been watching some other podcasts, so, you know, practicing how we do our intro. It's a little bit more energy to go here. That's your energy burst? <laughs> no, that was a warm-up. Oh, okay. I didn't want to yell in your ear. All right, do All it right. again. Welcome to Spidey's 16th <gasps> Minute. Oh, I was too loud. Do it again. All right. Welcome to Spidey's 16th <laughs> Minute. Welcome! Oh, with a clap. Thank you. <laughs> Lots happened since we've all last chatted. Heidi mm. has discovered that she spends two hours in hair and makeup to look orange on the <laughs> podcast. So, you know, it's she's actually not we're concerned we look jaundiced. Yeah. Right? So just yeah. so everyone knows we're healthy. Uh you know, it's a lighting thing. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna might be the saturation. We're gonna adjust might, the levels. Might be the as orange well. couch, I think. But we we're, weren't even on the orange couch before. We're healthy, just so yeah. everyone knows. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, Spencer's gonna be a movie star. I know, I, I'm I, gonna be a fitness model. I am a movie star. Lots now. of things are happening. Lots, lots and Spidey's sixteenth minutes, really. It's, it's we got real. a huge cameo in a network television. We can't say what it was, but it's a great TV show. And a commercial. And a commercial that's coming out. Airing on network television. Yep. In prime time. So pretty much to the haters in the comment section, we are popping right now. We're having a moment, which is, <laughs> it doesn't matter how long. Having a moment. Yeah. So right now, super relevant, you know, lots of cameras on us. Big deals happening. Yep. Spencer's going to be a movie star. Yeah, There's is, no kissing, you, though. You got to stop so. saying going to be. I'm in you pre-production. Are. Okay, pre-production. Honey. Pre-production. So my best friend, my best friend, James Franco, messaged me from Italy. He's on a set of a movie that I'm not in, not this movie, a different movie. And he would like to, I can't say the, the script, I can't reveal it, but we're co-starring. It's like, it's pretty much a buddy comedy. And I'm going to be playing myself. 
You can't get too much into James's character. This is real. It's happening. And very excited. I almost went to Italy today, but I don't actually have the budget to, to get there. Yeah. A little surprise visit. Yeah, surprise. I, mean, surprise. I was going to be like, hey, James, can we talk yeah. in person a little bit more about our movie we're doing together. I was but, asking Spencer to do things around the house yesterday. I was like, Hey, I need you to do this night. He's like, I'm a movie star. It's like, okay, no, <laughs> okay. Not yet. No, I, I am. Right? You are. But still. When you're a real method creator uh-huh. like me, I visually, I'm already at award show. Right. So I'm pretty much, <laughs> I'm big time. so that's exciting. It's going to be weird going back to reality television after being a movie star. Cause you know, I don't, I won't have a trailer Yeah, and I won't have, um, maybe you crap. will, maybe now oh. on our TV show, you're going to have to demand, like, I need a trailer. I need meal prep. And we could film that for our show that since you're a movie star, you need that. That could be very meta. The script is so good. The treatment, let's say the treatment is so good that Alex Baskin, who was a guest on this podcast already, check out that episode. If you haven't, I called him and he was pretty much like, can I be involved? Can I produce as well? Even though he's only done like one movie, I thought, you know, we could you know, bring Alex on board. So Alex, as long as James and him, when we all go to dinner and get along, which I'm sure they will. Uh, Alex Baskin will be producing on the film. So this is very real for people like, so I'm just making this up. <laughs> and I'm really nervous, actually, just being so famous. Like, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> I feel like Travis Kelsey, to be honest. <laughs> um, speaking of, I watched the football game to see Taylor Swift. And Did you watch it just for Taylor Swift? Have I ever watched a Chiefs football game in my entire life? Well, you are starting to watch football. So I don't know what team you like. No, or don't I like. was watching Boulder because Deion Sanders has great TikToks. And I like... You know, it felt like mm-hmm. a felt like a reality show, not more than a football. So I was watching that, and then Taylor Swift USC. Was, I just watched USC because Bowler lost. It was so boring. I needed some. So I have this on silent. I'm gonna have to talk to Apple. You're gonna have to take it off. I know, but it's such a fashion statement right now. The new Ultra just came out. I'm like trending, movie star watch. You know, um, airplane mode. That should work. So yeah, watching the game, they got Taylor Swift there and Fox just shows you how out of touch network TV is. And our guest, Big Dog, Big Baller, we're going to have to mention this and have you know get on a little group chat with the heads of Fox. They cut away from the game because I guess Taylor's, are we going to call him a boyfriend? I don't know. The, the, the individual she's seeing you know, maybe we can call him a boyfriend at this point. They they drove away in a convertible off into the sunset. So that that looked like boyfriend energy. They cut away from the game because the, the announcers were like, oh, let's go to a more competitive game. It's like, we're not watching this game. We're watching Taylor in the box with the football player's mom. And we're watching all her, you know, ma- like mouthing. She said Let's effing go is what the sign language people I follow on TikTok pretty much um, figured out. And she was doing like uh, belly bumps in there. Like this is what we're watching. And if Fox had left it on longer, the NFL probably would even got more than just 400% increase in Travis Kelsey's jersey sales at night. 
Um, and they probably get a cut of that, but it was just a little, and the other game they cut to was so boring. No Taylor Swift. Alex Earl wasn't even there. If you're going to cut to a game, cut to the Miami game where we can see Alex Earl on the, on the field. Cause she's dating uh, the Barrios guy. But I'm really excited that now I'm interested in football because of all the famous people there. My hair scarf is color coordinated to the couch. <laughs> <laughs> it looks beautiful. Yeah, um, I got so excited. I thought uh, Heidi texted me like a sexy photo that I did. I was like, woo, her getting out of the cold plunge. And then I realized <laughs> it was just a screenshot from her snap story on Snapchat. I was like, I what can I at least get like VIP access content? It was, uh, it was pretty fun. That emotional roller coaster of like, ooh, I sent me sexy bikini shots. And I was like, oh no, she probably just accidentally texted me her snap story. Um, the one really, interesting thing i thought you didn't see mm. is taylor was in a box and everyone was waiting for her to leave the box and nobody ever saw her leave but she was probably hiding in the popcorn thing like how she hides in the like trash can thing at the heiress tour like the mop thing so she, i wonder if her team they have like a u-haul they roll around with different types of objects to move her around in. like oh mm. she's going to a football game put her in the popcorn thing but if she has so much security why does she need to do that um i think it's more of like so it's she doesn't fun. cause like a mayhem riot and you know mm. and exclusive content i don't know but I, she must be pretty flexible at this point she's like one of those acrobats that really like tall. go into those <laughs> it was a tall popcorn thing. <laughs> it's not like a this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit JiffyLube.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So our next guest, actually... You know, I guess <laughs> I have no idea how we pulled this one off. Today. Our most uh, impressed, uh, with all due respect to our other past guests, this guest has the most juice to potentially make us famous. So this is kind of like a podcast, but it's also like us pitching ourselves for an hour. Hopefully, we end the podcast with our own television show because our guest today, Steve Mosco, pretty much oversaw over. 
45 of the biggest television shows. He ran Sony television for like, I want to say like 24 years. And he's currently the president of Village Roadshow Studio. Oh, is that a movie studio? There you go, like the Joker coming out. And I mean, this is like, it's almost like the prank show we're doing the right Matrix. now. Matrix. Yeah, I got the, I the Matrix. So let's bring him out here. So do you know when we first met? No, I don't. Seriously? I seriously don't. How old are you now? Ballpark? 40. Okay, so we met about 30 years ago. Your dad is friends with Bob Cook. I do remember So Bob we were Cook. at a barbecue at Bob Cook's house, and you were just a little pipsqueak, as was Matt. Oh, my God. So you would have been 10, Matt would have been 8. Well. Because your dad's a dentist, right? He is. Because it was all about, because I said, my God, that guy's got great teeth. They go, we better because he's a dentist. <laughs> wow. Oh, my you know, you know, Bob. Yeah, the, my favorite Bob Cook story is when I had my meeting with Gail Berman to sell Prince of Malibu <laughs> when I was 20. And I drive up because Peter Turnin was like, you have a meeting tomorrow with Gail Berman. He's like, who's that? He's like, she's the president of Fox Television. So, and so and I pulled up at the Fox lot thinking I'm the man. And I'm like, uh, Spencer Pratt here. I'm like, somebody already took your drive on. I was like, excuse me? And I called my dad. I'm like, what do I do? They won't <laughs> let me in. He's like, hold on. Let me call Bob Cook. And so That's I got funny. like a drive on through Bob Cook to go to my meeting that an agent took my drive on. But, anyway, you know. well, congratulations to you. It sounds like you're humming along. And I love people that have continuing careers that kind of reinvent themselves. And uh, that's always exciting and and interesting. Congratulations to you on that. Thank you. I like that perspective yeah, as well. That's I a like great No, it's true. When you look, here's, here's what's crazy about this town. You know, I, I moved here from Philadelphia when I was about 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, Matt was, um, what was he at that time? Six or eight. And that's six or seven range. And, um, you know, so I came out here. I, you know, I, my, I grew up poor, not poor, but we didn't have a lot of money. Lived in Maryland. So the idea of moving Los Angeles, I used to run TV stations in Philly, work a studio. I was like, oh my God, this is phenomenal. Um, but when you realize when you get in the system, when you achieve some success, there's always people that want to shoot you down hard. So when I came in, I, I worked my way through the system, you know, became the head of television in 99, all domestic TV. And they're essentially, Howard Stringer shut the TV business down. And he said, Okay, I shut it down. Go fix it. So initially, you have people who were like, okay, what are you doing? You're never going to pull this off. Then over the years, we slowly you know, did a couple of really interesting things and were successful. Then you realize, well, now there's a whole nother level of people who don't even have success. Then they want to beat you down on that. So, you know, and it's just, it's the nature of the beast, but believe in yourself and you're resilient and stick to your plan. And, you know, good things happen. But I mean, of all, I mean, I say this with highest respect. You two could have kind of gone off to the sunset and be, where are they now? Like, you know, shooting up heroin, letting them be somewhere. <laughs> Not to say you didn't do that. But anyway, no, but like, it's, it, you come back, I mean, you were like on fire. I mean, early, you're kids and great stuff was happening. It's hard. I mean, now you're 40. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there's podcast world. There's interesting stories to be told. This is something we can do together. It can make, that's, that's. That requires a lot of humility and belief in yourself. Thank you. 
Do you I, agree with that? Yeah, I, mean, I do, yeah, and I, I love that. that. And yeah, it's because I mean, it's, it's it isn't. That's what I always try to tell people. Like, because they look back and they're like, "You look so crazy back then." Like, they don't understand to keep that momentum going without you know, because we we're freestyling everything with fame. There's no formula. You have to just keep to stay in the game. And it's like you see it now with A-list movie stars are kind of almost lost and like how do they stay relevant in this fractured oh, yeah. social media world it's like well welcome to what we have to deal with trying to no it, but so it's funny so i i was at sony 24 years i ran the tv business 13 like the whole you know global tv business but when i was 60 years old left sony and you know this was it was kind of a mutual thing i'd been there 24 years is a long time to be in one place and i wanted to do something more entrepreneurial but it's interesting when you so you leave a big job, and then you go to something, you know, I'm CEO of Village Roadshow, which is great. I mean, I'm thrilled. Love it. It's a lot more entrepreneurial. So you go from having a studio where you've got your own parking space and got your own table at the grill and all this stuff that doesn't really matter. Then you go to somewhere where you put you turn the coffee on in the morning, you know, you just pay attention to details because it's your company. Um, it's different. But then you have people like like you okay and you know, used to run a big company. I go, yeah, man, like I'm super happy. And I, I loved every minute I was at Sony. We did a lot of great things, but like life's about chapters in a book, you know? And I, ne I, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to retire from a big company. I wanted to do something where I kind of put all this stupid experience I've had over, I mean, over decades to work on something more entrepreneurial. That was it. And then you go from, and this is no knock on my friends at Sony, but these studios are all political. You know, you see how it plays out, which is fine. That's that part of the game. And now in this job, there's no politics. It's more mentoring and coaching. And, you know, you hire, bring in people who are new to jobs and it's, it's fun, you know, and uh, you know, I get a chance to work with Matt. You know, he's working with Adam and uh, how great is that? I mean, not that he listens to me, but <laughs> I'm sure he does. I was actually laughing so hard. We we're watching your like kind of as the guy who framed it as your exit thing on the Paley oh, yeah. thing. And uh, every time you laughed, I was like, oh, my gosh, Matt and him have That's like, twin laughs. But That's, he, yeah. he was just saying what because I called him. I was like, what are we going to like? Your dad's too smart. Like, what are we going <laughs> to talk about? He's like, you need to talk about his journey of like, like he said, you had seven you were one of seven kids in yeah. like one room. And he's like that you just put on a suit and you just never took no for an answer. You just kept going door. And so it's like, yeah, that's no, it's, drive. Uh, you know, it's funny because like I look at, it's not the same, but when you grow up as an industry kid, there's hurdles, right? And no one's, no one's going to feel sorry for you or no one's going to, you know, but it's hard, you know? So I, I give just a sidetrack on Matt. Like he's really built his own brand, so to speak. And he no, he's, you know, he's his own man, which is great. I give him a lot of credit for that. I mean, say about if you were a dentist, I mean, what you'd be running into. Oh, definitely have better <laughs> teeth. But like most people, like when I when it comes up, I'm like, oh, you're they don't even connect you with Matt, which is I'm sure the people no, in the I, industry I, I, do, but like he became like, you know, people know him more as a pretend influencer yeah. that he does. An Airwan influencer. Yeah, as a health Well, here's the thing. <laughs> he doesn't have these legs, you know, they don't have his height, so. But he does, he would say he has a better tan. Could be. Uh, uh, well, he was born in darker skin. Uh, you know, <laughs> he inherited, he got better DNA. No, it's, um, 
So I've given a couple of commencement speeches and I love giving, talking to kids because there's a certain part, I mean, I even more so today with social media, but there's some kids who live in Des Moines or whatever. It's like, how can I ever, I would love to work in a studio. Or I'd love to go make content. Or I'd love to do something. And there's different ways to access that. There's m- many more platforms, TikTok, whatever, to get your word out there. But on a broader level, if you wanted to work in a studio and make big movies and big TV shows, you know, my, I guess I'm proud of my story because I grew up in a small town in Maryland. I had a job since I was eight years old and I had, you allowed the cuss in this? Yeah. Yeah. I had every <laughs> shitty job known to me. I was truck driver, janitor, cut lawns. You know, when all my friends were out on Saturdays, I was working at, you know, Friendly's Ice Cream. I mean, all that stuff. Hated it. Hated it. When I was, because here my friends are going out. I didn't have all the right clothes, didn't have a car. But I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that experience. So that's, there's that. Secondly, uh, self acknowledge that I was a terrible student. Just, you know, now they kind of, they probably call it 88, ADHD, whatever it is. <laughs> I just didn't pay attention. That's what they called it back then. I was a horrible student. But I just knew what I wanted. Like, I didn't give a shit about some of these. I mean, I wish I had paid attention, but I knew, I kind of knew. Like I wanted to get in this business. So whatever. I played sports, I played lacrosse and uh and, and football in high school. I love sports. But you know, as a typical teenage boy, like just distracted. Um, so my grades weren't great on, and I'll never forget so probably one of the more pivotal moments of my life where I went to guidance counselor about college and he's going, like, you should think of a trade school because you're really not college material. Now that at the time, it was horrible because my two sisters were super smart, you know, and you know, it, my parents didn't go to college. It was like, it was a real thing. Like, you're all these kids, all seven of you are going to go to college. We had to pay our own way. But uh, that was a, I mean, that was, that was a punch in the gut. Again, I was angry at the guidance counselor first. Then I was like, holy shit, like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. So kind of got me off my ass to... um really focus so then i ended up as a lacrosse player so i got in the university of delaware you know not do academics there's lacrosse and uh and i loved it because i was doing the stuff like i was doing this i was doing like everything that you hear like work in the studio at school you know like the conversations were about tv and film and that perfect learned a lot about you know some other classes that related to it so um but again Play lacrosse, you know, grew up in a very strict Catholic family when I was at home in high school. So I don't think I had a beer in high school. I, I made up for it in college. So, you know, I, I did okay, but I w- probably not as good as I should have done. Anyway, um, my senior year, I, I wanted to apply for an internship at this station in Philadelphia, WPHL TV, and uh, called us, you know, called the station and talked to the person in charge. And, um, she goes, okay, so you want an internship. What's your grade point average? I told her. And it was like, boom, hangs up the phone. Like, didn't even say, like, you're an idiot. Like, didn't even bother. <laughs> Am I talking too much? Like, no, oh, I was a vibe you guys a break. Yeah, yeah, we want this break. So anyway, <laughs> so like, holy shit, this is, okay, so, so much for that. Um, so anyway, lacrosse season ended, and I need, I need like, my student loans were due like the Monday after I graduated on Saturday. So, and my dad, I mean, I, I had to work. So it was either going to be bartending at school, a bar at school or something. So I literally got a stack of resumes 
you know, this big. Uh, had to borrow a suit, had to borrow a car, borrow a pair of shoes, you know. And uh, I tell a story like the, you know, the seat I sat on the front seat had oil stains, so I put a towel over. Anyway, so I literally went to Baltimore and uh, just you know, anybody just said like, I'll do anything. Like I'll I'll clean toilets. I'll, I just get me in the door. So the last stop of the day was uh, at Channel Forty Five, Baltimore WBFF, which is owned by. The time it was like the smallest broadcaster. Now it's the largest in the country. Sinclair Broadcasting owns it. And the woman at the uh, front desk goes, "Okay, I'll, I'll I give her my resume. I'll just give it to somebody." She goes, "You'd be good at sales." I go, "Great!" Like, what's that? <laughs> well, it's so advertising time. I go, "I got me in. Let's go." And um, she introduced me to sales manager, and uh, he said, "I don't have anything now, but I will soon." Ended up getting a job at a radio station for three months selling advertising. They, in three months, they hired me at the TV station. I was off and running. Now, the irony to the story is, so I had the great fortune of being inducted in the Broadcasting Cable Hall of Fame. And my dad knew the story. So my dad found the woman, called her, and thanked her. I didn't know this. She was there for like 10 minutes because the woman who normally was there was went to the bathroom. Oh my. So if you kind of think about how shit happens in life, like what ifs, like I wouldn't be sitting here probably, you know what I mean? Like who knows? So, so that was great. And then, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I, I wish I could say I had a master plan that I've written down. Like I just knew like when I was, and I didn't do this in a, like, I'm going to take over that job. Like I always thought about what's next. So whenever I was in a job, it's like, what do I need to do to prepare myself? Like for the next thing. So when I went to Sony, um, you know, it's the same stuff. You know, it's like when I, I did domestic TV, well, I was really in the syndication business, which, you know, Bob was great at. Um, through time, you know, they, they were looking for someone to run the, you know, network business, network. Anyway, I was always studying ahead of myself and not being political about it or trying not to be, but just when the moment came to be prepared. So, um, I don't know. Look, I feel really lucky and grateful that I am where I am. I think I've worked pretty hard doing it. Um, but I, to get back to your original question, I, I think you were asking, I, I love talking to young adults. Like, whatever you do, don't let some you know jerk off tell you what you can and can't do. That's up to you. If you want to listen to them, great. You'll fail. But if you have a, you know, if you just move forward and you know, do your thing and be good at that and stay in your lane and be humble along the way. I mean, I, a friend of mine uh, wrote this. What's that? I said, be humble. I, yeah. That's the one. Not I, tell I, me that one. I, I, but, needed, I needed to work on that but one. The, uh, but, but that doesn't mean you can't have confidence. Right. There's a difference. There is. But, you know, a friend of mine wrote a book, The Power of Nice, Ron Shapiro. And basically it says, you can be a decent human being. And it doesn't mean you're not tough. Mm-hmm. So. But it's just you're not a jerk all the time. But I don't know. In this town, humility is kind of a – it's tricky because it's viewed as a sign of weakness. But um, I don't know. I see people who are very powerful who they don't have to go around telling – I see this is humble. being humble to me. Not to tell people how powerful I am or how great I am. It's like you're just a badass dude and you have to say a word. People know it. Right. You don't you need know? the bragging rights. No. Right. You know, exactly. I, yeah. So it seems like a lot to navigate being a dad 
and your career at the same time. And I know I think about that for both of us. We have two young boys. So one is 10 months old and one is six. And I think about, and like you've referenced with Matt too, how Matt's to help them. six years old. Six years old, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, okay. I get my math right. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I think about how to help them navigate their way in the industry or outside of the industry and to help them to find what is the best for them and how to encourage them. And like you're saying, no one's going to feel bad for them or like take that out. But it seems like a lot to yeah. to juggle. And, and how did you balance that? Where with do your you, kids? where do you two live? Your the Palisades. 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 Mm-hmm. So we moved here. Um, so originally our offices were in Burbank, right near Palisades. But we were right in Burbank, like that at Riverside Drive. So, you know, when I was in Philly, I, I, I need space like between work and like, I like to keep some separation so I can have my personal life and whatever. Not that I'm super private about it, but I just like to have the space. Mm-hmm. So we, we live in Westlake village. So Matt was raised out there. It was a, it was a, it's a bit of a commute for me, which is fine. Um, but I wanted that separation cause I didn't, I just thought I needed that. So weekends I could be a dad and not, you know, constantly bumping into industry people. Whatever. I love the business, but like, yeah. Five days a week, I get up really, really early. I get home late. That's enough, you know? And I, if I had to do something, I'd do it. But it was, my my whole thing was, like, I never brought work home. Like, I would rather stay at the office till 10 than come home at 7 and work three hours at home. Because when I'm home, like, I want to be fully engaged. Like, then they're, dad, like, go. So, second I walked in the door, like, I was a dad and a husband. And luckily, I have a great wife. You know, we've married 43 years. And Congratulations. She, you know, look, when I was traveling, I traveled close to 20 weeks a year at Sony. Well, if you don't have somebody holding down the fort, you got a problem. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because Matt and my son who lives in Singapore and my daughter lives here. Um, they're closer. We're closer than now than we were when they were little kids. Like for advice, and you kind of graduate. From this point where it's like, did you do your homework? And it's like, which is, you have to do certain things when you're raising kids. But at the same time, like, you need to be their friend so you can come to with problems. Like, if you can't, if you don't have a dialogue with your kids now about all the stuff going on in the world, you're going to have real problems down the road. So, and that's a, that's a tricky balance between being the friend and the disciplinarian. Do you think it's harder to have kids and raise kids now than when you did, or do you think it's always going to have different problems and changing and dynamics? Um, tell you what, I'd say, oh, a backup. My mom raised seven kids on very little money, and she made every meal, washed the clothes, made the beds, cleaned the house, didn't have a car. I mean, we had one car, which, you know, my dad took whatever. Um, <laughs> that's a real mother. Yeah. She didn't have help. She didn't have any of that stuff. I mean, we all had chores. But like there were times where she would like literally I think back someone said to me, like, what's the greatest thing about being successful and have a few bucks? I go, being able to go into Gelson's and not add up all the prices you're putting stuff in the basket. Mm-hmm. That means you know, that's a big deal to me. My mom used to have to in her head like figure out like did I go over my amount? So the answer is like that was hard. And then at the same time, raising kids and being, you know, that's, that's some hard stuff. 
today, I mean, look, two of you are very in a good spot. It's more managing the outside world than the inside world. Yeah. Meaning, like, you two can be the best parents ever. You know, I'm sure you are. But when the kids go down the street to some, you know, celebrity's house or somebody's house and they're cool with certain things you wouldn't be, then you got to manage, like, with them, like, what's right, what's wrong. And um, look, I, I think with Matt and my daughter, Mallory, and my son, Brian, it's it's actually funny to start to hear the stuff like, you did what? Wait a minute. Tell me that again. And it's like, I didn't know about stuff. It wasn't horrible. But you, you learned, <laughs> but you learned through your mistakes. I think I would say from our kids, I think we gave, gave them enough of a foundation to see like, this is the way you do your thing. Like, this is how you lead your life. I mean, they're super polite to adults. I mean, there's like basic stuff, which as a parent you can do. But like, but frankly, social media, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, that's, that's the, if there's one thing, it's that. Because it, there's different levels of like what other parents, like, you don't want to lock your kids in the house. Right. They're out there at school every day or whatever and interacting. So it's, that's, so from that perspective, like it, it, some of this out of your control, you got to figure, hopefully they're communicating with you and figure out, you know, what's going on. Did, did you, go ahead. I was going to say, did you ever see Matt like going into the television business? That, did, no. like, <laughs> it's funny because. Um, he well, he graduated right. In, I think he wanted to go to real estate, commercial real estate. Then it crashed in two thousand eight when he graduated. But you know, look, he. Uh, one thing I'll say about him, which I I didn't have to prompt him, he did it on his own. He had very. He realized, I think, that he, all these people that were like, and running the business, he knew. Because I take him to basketball games, he was at events. He knew somebody's kid. Like he was kind of wired in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but to his credit, I mean, he knew, and all, thankfully all my kids this way, he knew we had to put the time in like the 10,000 steps or 10,000 hours into learning the business. And, you know, he, he had a great mentor in Doug Robinson, who, um, was at Sony with me and ran happy mass and TV while I was there. And Doug was terrific to Matt, but he made Matt work hard and Matt learned a lot from Doug. Um, so, um. Yeah, so it's it's a challenge, but I, I didn't. I I'm glad he did, but and I'm and actually happier that he's cut his own path, and it's I, it's gone from I'm Matt Moscow's father versus he's my kid. So, so oh, that's I love that. by the way, as a parent, that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. Did you watch TV growing up? That's all we had. What, did, what was I, your I favorite? Mean, I mean, where you grew up in California, right? I grew up in Colorado. Okay, yeah. so you'll under, you'll appreciate this. From November to March, you're in the house. Right. So imagine, oh, we are, it was like a 2,700 square foot house, seven kids, a black and white TV. Like that, there really wasn't anything else to do, like other than watch TV. So I, yeah, I grew up loving. Um, I loved. I mean, they're all the comedies. I love. I loved wrestling. I mean, wrestling was always interesting to me. Uh, I used to watch all the sports stuff. But yeah, I mean, TV. Yeah, TV was my primary thing, and I, like I said, I, I, I knew I wanted to get into it as a business. It was my career. Uh, I was in high school. I went to see a taping of a, a game show. It's academic, which is a quiz show for high school students. But I remember walking in the TV station, and to, like I, even as I talk about it, I can the smell comes back. Like it smelled different. I could see like the hustle bustle, the newsroom. Like it just like 
yeah, I could do this. Like up until that point, I had no clue. Did do you feel like since as you left the big dog, seven thousand mm-hmm. employees under you, I feel like that was also the time television from what you have we all knew it was transitioning into this now mm-hmm. the streamers and nobody knows what's going on. Do you feel like you almost in a sense got out when it was still I mean, sure these people are still having fun at the top positions, right. but like when I grew up in, at going to Crossroads and seeing the lifestyle that these executives and these parents got to live then, it doesn't look like, you know, Westwood's not shut down anymore for a premiere and, you know, and the parties aren't. Right. Like, do you feel like you got to experience the last era of like fun Hollywood? And if the job, I mean, I guess yeah. it's a job for you. I don't know if it was ever fun. It's, it's I love, I mean, look, I, I've loved every, I've never had a bad day. There's been some, bad stuff happened but like i never lose sight of the fact like what i'm doing which is great um you know what's really interesting go back and look at the movie premieres in the 20s or the 30 or not 20s like the 40s the 50s where people wore tuxedos and the click i mean it, like it was an event like thousands of people um so you could argue even like in the last 20 years like wow it really went downhill because you know whatever um <laughs> Here's the thing. When I graduated from college, there were three networks, and that was it. Like, that was it for TV. And everything theatrical, there's only so many movies released a year in the theaters. So when I was at Sony, when they shut down the business, where we really made some inroads, and, you know, this was in your lifetime, so it's not that long ago, uh, basic cable, meaning like the FXs, the AMC, like they weren't doing any original programming. They were just running reruns of shows. So we, we we were starting to rebuild. This is 99, 2000, starting to catch that wave. So we started doing, you know, we did The Shield. We did Rescue Me for FX. We did Damages, Justified. Um, we did Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul for AMC. We did, I mean, we really jumped in with all, you know, our hope. And we just jumped in the pool, getting a business with the, the uh, you know, pay, the basic cable players, you know. There was real opportunity there. And what was great about it was, you know, with the, long story short, you know, these cable networks that were getting into business were doing li- limited runs. So network orders traditionally at that time were 22 episodes. These were 13. But you produced them out of season, so you're able to get better actors or more have shot different and more actors. We were able to convince movie stars to do TV because it was only 13 episodes, which then helped our international. So we took advantage of that. Great. We stayed in the, the network business. We did Shark Tank and some other things for network. But then when the streamers came along, we were the first major studio to be in business with Netflix. So we did House wow. of Cards. We did Bloodline. We did a bunch of things. Um, the last thing I did, when, which I greenlit, uh, which was not my idea. It was um, our team, but that was The Crown. And so where I'm headed is there's been this expansion of the business and it, and you hear like people who are my age go, well, it's not the old days or da, da, da. but the reality is there's more shows being produced than ever. There's more jobs being filled than ever before. There's more work to go around for everybody. I'd argue there's more interesting choices of programming. There's great document. There's all kinds of things that people don't really look at. Now, have the economic change? 100%. No question. The people who are making money, like the big money, were like a 
a few people. It felt like probably more than there really were. Um, and I, I still think it was a great opportunity to be successful, make a great living. There's more jobs than ever before. You know, we don't need to talk about the strike because, you know, who knows? It's resolved, too. It's uh, yeah. for now. I mean, right? I don't know why. It, I mean, it took forever. It probably could have been resolved months ago or whatever. But I, look, as a, as a guy on the back nine of his career, it's like there's opportunity in this business. And, you know, look at this. I mean, the idea you're doing a podcast and, and getting, you know, do, this didn't, I mean, this is the expansion of the, the universe, you know, and that's great. And uh, so I, I applaud it. Yes, it's different. Yeah, there probably aren't. Paychecks are a little different for some people. It's still pretty good. I think that's what we've always kept in perspective as well. And I love that. It's like, it's a really fun, blessed job, right? Like at the end of the day, we get a, like for us personally, we get to work together. It's always fun to do something in this industry. So if you're in this industry, keeping it in perspective, I feel like is always a great thing. And people don't though. That's yeah. that's what we say about everyone across the board. At least what we deal with right. people start like we were always like the hated, like in the gutter. So we never got the like shine energy so that we never like resented the like we started and we stayed just like, you know, where uh and it's like, what's well, fun even being uh over no, here. No, but that's not how you viewed yourself. It's, and that so is who why, cares right, what yeah. thinks. And right. that's why I loved how he was like, you just started watching football and I was like, No. I'm watching Deion Sanders because I love his quotes yeah. and I feel like I'm watching a movie star character. And he, that's what he says. You can say whatever you, I'm misquoting that's a, No, I know, but that's on you like, if you feel insecure about what I'm saying. Yeah. He's like, I, I know how I value myself. And that was always why, you know, we didn't care. Like, like, how do you be hated? It was like, we're, we're, like, we're getting paid. Yeah. We're having fun. Cause it's actually fun for us and to be in this industry. And so I love that perspective. Um, where do you see it going? Where do you Can see I say one thing about that before we go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My gosh. I won't mention the, per, the agent who said it, but I remember when I left Sony, I met with this agent and, uh, say across from him, he goes like, so how you doing? <laughs> I go, actually doing pretty good. He goes, how you doing? I go, uh, I'm actually doing really good. Anyway, it goes back and forth a bunch. Um, I said, look, here's the deal. I live in Westlake Village. I've never let any job I've ever had determine how I feel about mm -hmm. myself. So I'm doing pretty good. And that's that's actually it. Because, you know, it's like social media. That, you, know, you can't let the loudest voice be the most important the loudest you can't let the loudest voices determine how you feel because they're not the majority mm -hmm. they may be the loudest i mean if you're in a crowd of people 100 people somebody screaming from the back how they hate something there's 99 people shutting their mouth shut they're like shut up like but the one person gets gets takes the air out of the room and you can't can't let that happen i always just say experience that, that. Yeah, no, yeah i always <laughs> say stage. that yeah. <laughs> i always say that because like I am on every social media thing. I'm always seeing what's going on. I'm in every comment section, but I never write a negative thing on any of these things. So whenever somebody writes a negative thing, I'm like, well, that person is not like me. So if they don't even like me, I probably wouldn't like them because we're not alike in the sense that even people I don't like and I see on social media, I don't, I don't feel the need to be like, oh, this person's awful in a comment section. And it's that same, you know, these yeah, are, these well, are not my these aren't the people I even care about. It's so funny because, so I was one of the people targeted during the Sony hack in 2014. 
So 10 years of my emails were, I mean, like it was just, it was all out there. And um, I didn't have anything horrible in there, but my wife would read the comments a bunch. And she would get mm. angry, like, these the stuff that is stuff isn't true. And they're making, they go, whatever. Just, you know, you can make something a bigger story by responding to it. Yeah. As opposed to just ignoring it and let it go away and just roll off your back. And it's hard, it's easier said than done. But yeah, and being protective of someone. So it, it might be harder for your wife sitting there and feeling oh that for you, you know, because she's loves you and you're everything to her. Right. So like sometimes I get more protective of things towards Spencer than I would even myself because I'm like, that's my husband. You know, like I know Shut so up. much. I just of it. Jerk, but you can. Yeah, but I don't read comments and I just stay out of all of that because I just feel like I don't care what anyone says honestly like i appreciate the support and i love you all but i you know matt had a running thing with me that it was it was a joke we call me father like hey father like and it was like a joke and i would go okay son whatever and so this is part of the emails that are leaked in sony hack so then the comments go like what is this like father like who like Oh my gosh. One of the things that we always tell people that we heard when we were on the hills when it was such a big thing is having a hit show is like lightning in a bottle. Mm. And then you look at your resume or your what however, your list, your and you got hits after hits. And obviously you clearly had the business side coming from the sales, but right. to be able to know creatively. Is that just having good, like, people? Tr yeah, trust and mm. being like, this is a, a smart, creative yeah. person. And or is it just a lot of luck or, or where? What? But it's, it, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, anybody who says, oh, I knew, you don't know. And, but you got to take your shots. So, look, I feel really like you have no idea how grateful I am. Like, like in my career, I've been able to experience, I, you know, work with folks at Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy. So Harry Friedman, you know, I say he worked for me. He, he worked, I, I gave, I worked for him. But <laughs> like, those are two of the greatest shows in the history of television. You know, I was involved with syndicating Seinfeld, as Bob mm -hmm. was. One of the greatest comedies in the history of television. You know, we were involved in Breaking Bad as an original show. So I feel super grateful, you know, that I've been involved in some really good stuff. Shark Tank, I'm very proud of Shark Tank. I think it's, along with being great entertainment, it's educate a lot of young people about how to run, start a business or whatever. But here's what's crazy. So um, I think about what bothers the, me the most is the stuff that didn't work. Because mm -hmm. the, the failure rate is so much higher, so much higher than the success rate. That like, like you're, as you're going through these like successes, you suffer the pain of things that failed. So I never ever got it to a point where it's like, oh my God. I mean, we had we had no, I mean, back in ninety-nine we had nothing. And then like through hard work, I had a great group of people, you know, on on the team and uh it's really their thing, but and I'll tell you one funny story in a second. But along the way, like when you you just like like, oh my god, like we did a talk show for Queen Latifah, which I thought for sure was gonna be huge, and it wasn't. For a lot of reasons, that still sticks in my craw. I mean, we we were going to do a late night show with Quincy Jones, executive producing, and that didn't work. I mean, so I, I this is how you get crazy. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I know Breaking Bad was huge, and but 
how do we, you know, that, I wish I had that one back because I would have done it right. So, but what's interesting is, um, told the story too much, but uh, you go through a green light process when you do a show. So it's like one piece of paper, got a log line, it's a P&L, how much money you make. So uh, when we were doing it for Breaking Bad, and uh, it was with Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlich, who were my guys, scripted guys, around the TV business. Um, they were great. And it's three of us and our head of finance, uh, our CFO and head of the studio. Anyway, we're in this meeting and uh, they look at the, you know, one sheet and they go, is this a fucking joke? <laughs> I go, what? <laughs> a guy with terminal cancer selling crystal meth? Like, <laughs> really? Like, that's a show. Like, yeah, it's a show. Who's the lead actor? Ryan Cranston. Oh, the guy from Malcolm in the Middle? Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, the, the, who's the showrunner? Well, Vince Gilligan. Aren't we suing him because he left our movie Hancock? I go, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, okay. Uh, what channel is this on? AMC. They don't do original shows. Yeah, they, they're going to start. Uh, they got one other one they're doing. I didn't know it was Mad Men. Anyway. Long story short, this conversation is going on. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> inside, I'm sweating my heart. I'm like, oh boy. He goes, well, the team of the group I'm talking to get it approved. I'm like, well, it's your career, you know, if you want to do it, but uh, we think it's the worst fucking idea we've ever heard. So, but by the way, it could have been. Honestly, I mean, Vince is a genius. Brian's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you, it was, I mean, my God, I mean, talk about one of the greats of all time, but I mean, we didn't know. And then, and then for year, I mean, the crazy thing was the show actually got canceled after two years and got revived because we were able to get the rights back to syndicate it early and we reduced the license fee, got the rights back early and we sold it to Netflix, which, you know, is a great case study. Then it caught on, but, uh, I mean, we, who knows? You know, you just don't know. I mean, the, the only, um, I'm just trying to think. The only slam dunk show ever was Blacklist. Uh, we did with James Spader on, uh, NBC. Everybody just said, this is going to be a hit. And it was. It was, that was awesome. so good. All the shows are so good. It, yeah. To put everything on the line, your career. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like Vegas. <laughs> Here's the thing though, but this gets to, you know, like, this is why you never, it's, it's part of the torture of being in the business. It's like, what, and no one's had to say this to me. It's like, what do you do for, what do you do for me today? But that's yeah. how it feels. Right? Yeah. What have you done that's for me lately feels. is our. So, you know, I'll never forget to me, forget like, you know, one TV guy said, like, get to relax. Like you, you've done a bunch of good things. Like just enjoy it. It's hard to enjoy because you're constantly, even like in this job, yeah. I mean, I, Look, you know, there's part of me was like, oh, you know, I just, I just, I love to work. And like, I still, there's more I want to get done and do and take advantage of this, the world we're in today. Cause I, I view it as an opportunity. I really do. Even I, again, and I, I'm a, I understand people who say in the old days, you know, if you had a hit movie and went to the theaters, you could make, I get all that, but it's not going back. So you have to look at the, look at it and go, okay. Yeah. You know, how do I go monetize my talent? 
and you're doing this. I mean, I look at uh, God, you know, who is it? Uh, Sean Hayes and Jason Bateman and uh, oh gosh, what's that? Yes, I mean, the, those guys figured it out. You're figuring. I mean, like there's a, there's opportunities in the world. Like you just have to jump in and do it. And you guys are a brand, so like, how can you? So you it, you know, there's there's stuff to do. Rewind. One of the strangest things about Breaking Bad that I don't think people knew, and I only saw because I follow your son's IG story, and all of a sudden he was sitting next to Warren Buffett and like Charlie Munger. I messaged him, "What are you doing there?" And he's like, "You didn't know Warren Buffett's a huge Breaking Bad fan." I'm like, "Are you trolling me?" And he's like. No, he came to set. He wanted to see the how. What is that? Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> and how, why? He was a huge Breaking Bad fan. Huge. And uh, you know, every year at his uh, conference, I do short films. And they did one. Vince and uh, Brian did one for him. And he was in it. But he is. So, yeah. So, he came to. I So, Matt, Doug Robinson and I, he came to the set. Uh, we were. It was actually Better Call Saul because they were doing, and he, they put him in a scene. Anyway, so that's when Matt first met him. And then uh, every year, Vince and a couple of us go to the annual meeting, and I, I've taken my kids every year. And I think Matt went that year. But yeah, he's, look, it was like, I mean, again, how could I not be anything but grateful for the life I've had? Well, like my kids can spend time with Warren Buffett. No, I mean, and nice. honestly, if there's ever a case say like how to be a great human being, like he is the nicest person, obviously smart, obviously done very well for himself, obviously tough, but like he's, he's one of the good guys. And uh, it's so funny. He, uh, one year there was a question at his annual meeting and someone talked about, made the comment about um, he's an investor in Coca-Cola and Dairy Queen. And you know about, you know, diabetes issues and whatever. And his, quick answer was like, look, stress kills more people than anybody. And when I walked through a Whole Foods um, parking lot, I see a lot of stressed out people. When I see someone eating an ice cream cone or drinking a Coke, they look very happy. <laughs> they have a smile on their face. <laughs> which was a great secret. answer. But uh, anyway, yeah, so he was a huge fan. Just gotta- there were a lot, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, people like just uh, to this day, people come to say like, oh, I just found this show. I, had, I just watched like all 68 up i think 68 episodes on like back to back i'm like it's a long three days but okay we've seen every episode we love that yeah, show we love like, they're like independent movies Salt. yeah each one absolutely it's and, incredible. And that, speaking of that so when did you so you're like okay we need to program tv where did you get or your team they were like we can make movies as each episode on cable whereas that this is not something where you get like really good writers and these, you know, not mainstream big actors, but great talent. Like, was there a decision? Like we can make mini movies and like, cause like you said, cable was not doing that. Was there like, or did it just end up that way? <laughs> Sometimes your best ideas come when your back's against the wall. So like we, you know, the, the, at the time the network TV model was you were deficit financing and just to simplify that. Like if a show cost, um, five million dollars an episode. The networks would pay, let's say, half for round numbers. So you're carrying a two and a half million dollar deficit times twenty two episodes. So you're kind of like up to fifty million dollars a year deficit, with the hopes of after three or four years it goes in the syndication and you make money. The 
early days of the the um, basic cable per episodic costs weren't as great or as large as the uh, broadcast networks, and they were be- anyway. They're a little bit better deals, but nonetheless, it was a risk. But you know, the not to get too deep because it can get this can get boring. But when you network shows at the time were all they were all like scripts were written at a certain time, pilots were made at a certain time, production started at a certain time. So you were everybody was fishing in the pond, same pond at the same time, right? Production was pretty much starts in September, mm-hmm. ends in May, and whatever. Whereas with uh basic cable, like they would do things, they were doing things off season. So you're able to select actors that might be more available. The The show orders were smaller, like there were 13 episodes, 10, 13 episodes. So um, it was less of a commitment for an actor that would allow them to do more things. And the other thing at the time, like most shows that were going on basic cable were going two, three years because these basic cable networks that were investing in programming. Like they weren't doing many pilots. They were once they put a show in there, they were committed, so that it was in their best interest to keep it going. And you, and you know, a lot of network series at the time were only going after three episodes. If it wasn't working, they were pulling it, which is not good financially. So, and whereas the basic cable guys, you know, if it was uh, the show was on their air, that was it was going to go, it was going to get the full run, which is not allowed. You know, you were able to get your international money sold back and all that. So. Just turned up that way. When was the defining moment where you saw? Because I saw an interview, you said you saw a Survivor. Was that the moment you're like, we need to get an unscripted world? And where was your <laughs> first like experience with reality television from watching it and then knowing we need to be making these? Do you watch it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you watch The Housewives? Yeah. I watched, you know, Garth Anseer, who used to run, it was a genius. And like he was, he's my age. Um, but he was a genius because he was like this young executive that like, ran Fox Network in his 30. I mean, you know, we worked on Ricky Lake with him. But it, Garth was just a great TV mind. And he made told me one day, which I've never forgot, he goes, watch everything. Watch everything. Home Shopping Network, QVC, reality TV. Because honestly, he said, people are watching these channels. Like some of the best um, on-air hosts on these shopping networks because think about it they're they've got they're just rolling and they're trying to get you at home to go do something like activate it you know let's let's get going go buy something um so uh but the to your question you know i we so the business we had at sony we, we wanted to be in everything so we wanted to be in scripted unscripted drama comedy whatever at the time um we needed an unscripted show so i was literally sitting at my desk i cold called mark burnett and i said uh hey look can i come see you and he goes sure i i just got back from a trip you know come see me now he's, he's located right off the 405 like the bel air part like underneath you know where the 405 and um montana like his office is right around there get in the car drive up you know, going to his office, he's got a couple candles burning. He looked tired, and I had my uh, <laughs> uh, format book, like all the formats we owned, because we owned a bunch. So I got on one knee, I handled the book, and I said, "Here's the deal: you find something you like." I said, "I'll make the best deal ever. I need to say I'm in business with Mark." He goes, "Got it." Leave. I mean, I was there probably 20 minutes. 
uh, most. I got a call not that soon, not that far after that meeting, and it was like, I got it. It's Dragon's Den, which was a Japanese format. It's not a dragon. And then, anyway, long, long story short, like, that's how it happened. And, you know, we tried to go sell it, it and it didn't sell right away. And it wasn't a hit right away. It wasn't a hit really till we got Mark Cuban on the show and he kind of raised the stakes. But, this is uh, Shark Tank. Shark Dragon Tank. Den. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Dragon yes. Den turned into Shark, Shark Tank. So Shark Tank, um, that, so that was one I knew I had to get, like, I, I just knew I had to do, I need to be in business with somebody big. And then, now I'm losing my dates. There was another opportunity. Where, so I knew I wanted to do, I needed a syndicated show. So that was a network show. And we had tried some stuff and it just didn't work. Um, so I knew we needed like something big or if we didn't have something big or big enough soon in syndication, we'd be out of that business. Because it's just, it's a risky business. Anyway, I I heard through the grapevine that Oprah was taking meetings for Take Out Dr. Oz as a syndicated show. But we weren't invited to the meetings. Like They, they invited all the um, syndication companies that own stations. So, um, it's okay. So, kind of knew Oprah from Baltimore because she was there when I was there and whatever. So, I cold called her. I said, listen, uh, I heard you had meetings. Uh, I know who you met with. You met with all the syndicators that have station groups. I said, um, you, you left the one that you really need to be with, and that's us. She goes, what do you mean? I go, let me ask you a question. How did you become a billionaire? I said, Roger King was an independent distributor, wasn't, didn't have his own station group. So every time a renewal came up, there was always a chance he could go somewhere else. Whereas if you're hooked in with a, a distributor that owns stations, you're locked into stations for life. And you'll do fine. But I said, we're independent. So we can sell to everybody. That's our, that's our superpower. And that's how you were successful with Oprah. And that's how we'll make Dr. Oz work. She goes, okay, come see me. So I flew out to Chicago, <laughs> had a meeting. I said, look, here's the deal. Here's why I think we should have it, but I'm going to bring my team out so you can meet my team. She goes, they go, great. I met with a couple of her folks. Fly back, fly back out. Um, we're 14 people. And what she was, Oprah wasn't supposed to be in the meeting. And um, so uh, everybody's ready to roll. Her people are there. My, our, we're in the big, you know, Harpo studio, conference room. I went to go to the bathroom for the last time just because, like, you know, Talk, Matt's got that problem too. <laughs> um, I come back in, and so it's this long table, like fourteen people each. I mean, it's like it's huge. And sitting in the next to my chair was Oprah in a bathrobe. She goes, "You flew all the way out here. I might as well sit in and hear what you got to say." And we had a whole pitch deck and the whole thing. I swear to you, I felt like people talk about the stuff like in the zone in sports. Right, like Miami was in the zone Sunday. I was in the zone, and it was almost like if I were, if you were Oprah. Like I didn't; these people don't even exist. Like I'm just talking to you, and we got the business. And uh, Dr. Oz was on the air for a long time, and uh, it was turned out to be a big hit. But um, so yeah, but that's a hard bit. Syndication is hard because you have, as I say, over like you have 200 bosses. 
when you have sell to a network, you deal with the network. When you sell it to a station group or stations, there's a general manager at every station in every market, and they all have opinions. So, And by syndication, you mean you have a show that's done with multiple seasons, and then you continue to air them? That's right? Okay, so that's off network. So in the case like okay. Seinfeld, they get four seasons. Then you take the accumulation of those episodes and then sell them to stations. Okay. What I'm referring to is first run syndication, where it's an original show made specifically for syndication. So it's like Wheel of Fortune, Jack. Okay. But you sell them individually to the stations or groups of stations. Okay. But they're original shows. Wow, that's unbelievable. It's no, also Oprah, what about. an energy. Oh, it's got a- <laughs> who has the crazy or like the biggest energy of anyone you've met? Like, is there the secret, you know, because you think about like Oprah, I think about her in a room and like, do you feel a different energy from different levels of success or different people? Like who has the best power. energy? Yeah. Or executive power or, you know, like, do you That's feel a really that good question. Um, I don't want to name names because I, I know I would, <laughs> no, we're trying but, to get some clicks yeah. here. No, no. Tom Cruise, no. <laughs> um, but in general, uh, do no, you feel say, that? I'll say it this way: most people that I that I've dealt with in the business that are worth their weight have have great energy and, and like they're always look. I mean, there's certain people that don't see like obstacles. Like I try to be that way. It's like okay, there's a problem. What's the opportunity? What, mm-hmm. How do we fix this? Mm-hmm. You have to be that way. I mean, it's it's a business wrecked with, I mean, everybody's failed. Everybody. Like, at some point, you, you talk about people's career. I mean, Norman Lear is one of the greatest, the greatest TV minds ever. He had failures. He'd be the first to admit it. You know, but he also had some of the greatest shows in the history of TV. And he's still alive in 100 years of age why because he's a positive guy he stays healthy i mean he does all the things stay healthy but like he's got a upbeat view of the world um so there yeah there are a lot it's hard not to if you don't have great energy or great positive energy it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to kind of continue through make it through the business in the long haul you need that resilience i'll tell you i'll give you an answer my son matt Oh, and I my love kids. that. On an energy? Yeah. Oh, he's... I mean, like... Our son loves Matt. Every time he sees him, he rushes over to him. Your son is... He ha- he has a great like, energy. He's consistent, too. He's the most, yeah. one of the most consistent human beings you will... Here's what I'm very proud mm-hmm. of, because, like, you know, you can... I mean, look, I'm very proud of stuff I've done career-wise, work-wise. But it gets back to what you asked about the kids, which I think is a great question. Um, because, you know... I won't get into the details, but my daughter wanted to go to USC. She didn't get in initially, but she figured out a way to get in mm-hmm. on her own without dear old dad stepping in. And I'm, like, she was like, I'm going to get in. And she always loved, um, from the time Matt played volleyball at SC, she said, this is where I'm going. That's it. It's the only place I'm going. She figured it out. Very proud of her for doing that. My son, Brian, like, Went to Chapman, went to the film school, did great. Um, and he just said, yeah, I'm going to China. I was like, really? <laughs> so he went to China. He learned how to speak Mandarin. Like, like, and, and look, I mean, you're away from when you're 20-some years old, and you moved to China, you know, and, and dealing with, you know, that's hard. And he just, 
he just had that this is what I want to do and and same, same with Matt I mean it's like you want to be around people that like you can feel it I mean you you see a lot of people yeah. and there's and you want people to have good positive energy it makes you feel better yeah because negative stuff brings you down I agree you don't want it yeah. and speak like so I was just defending this whole like a couple of weeks ago, like people were all, they're always talking about Nepo babies. And I love a Nepo baby because I actually think you have to work harder as a Nepo. Baby. Yeah. You may have contacts, but if they're not, like you said, people, it's your career just because you're Matt's or who your dad is. If they are at the end of the day, it's money and business. So people think like, Oh, you have an easier chance. You may not in this business. Like it, you talent. Rises. Listen, no one wants to have a pity party for anybody who says, oh, well, it's hard for someone whose dad was successful in the business to get in the business. I mean, no one wants to hear that, but it is hard because, you know, I think uh, you're constantly going to be compared unless you cut your own path, which he did. All my kids have. Um, you know, I look at Sean, it's, oh my God, it's Sean McVay, right? The coach of the Rams. Mm -hmm. I mean, his whole family was in the football business, but if you see, but, he works his ass off, you know, and hope whether the Rams win the Super Bowl or not, sure it doesn't matter. But you see the work he puts in. But he came into the business knowing what it's like in the locker room, knowing the obstacles, knowing the hurdles. So for any of my kids, whether it's Matt or Brian or Mallory, like like they watched what I the way I handle myself, like I take them to premieres or they be in front of somebody in the business. Like they knew what it was like in the locker room. So that's, you know, that can only be helpful. And, and, but most important, like they knew nothing was handed out. Like they saw the hard work that went in for me. Mm -hmm. So just because they're my kid or kids doesn't mean it's going to be any easier. You know, it, there's work to be done. And they, I think the thing, look, that they realize is it, as glamorous as all of us, this looks on the outside once you're in the inside the walls, it's hard work. Like it's hard work. And at some point, you know, if you're not doing the work, it shows up, you know, whether you're an actor, not learning your lines or you're a podcast host, not doing your homework and whatever, you know, it's, uh, so yeah, I, 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 I would not suggest it's harder. It's just different. It's a different kind of difficult. Well, I so. think you've done, I mean, not I think, and I, you don't need me to tell you, but <laughs> congratulations on all the success that you've had in your family and your marriage and your career and everything. It just is so inspiring to see, see such a well-rounded person because a lot of really successful people are only successful in one area. And that's what I love. Like, I think that being a family man and a family person is everything at the end of the day. And uh, you know, other things added on are also successes, but like oh my, my goal in life is, yeah, I just want my kids to be successful and happy and to have a good relationship with them. Right. So if you do that in life, I think that's the ultimate like win and success. So yeah, nothing done at all. Nothing sadder uh, to me. Uh, you know, it's easier now for me to say work-life balance. Um, but when I hear about people who are like really successful in business, uh, and then they get the, the kids are in rehab, whatever. And not that they could have, yeah, whatever stuff happens. Right. So that makes me, that's sad to me. On the other hand, this is where maybe I'm a little bit different than people. It's like, like 
I, I missed, and there's some stuff I missed. I mean, I wasn't every birthday party, like stuff during the week, you know, my wife would go to school, stuff, whatever. I make no apologies for that because sometimes you got to get, I mean, yeah. the work has to get done, right? right? And if you're running an organization, whatever, you can't always be absent because you're with the family stuff. And again, that sounds harsh, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like the reason my kids had a nice life and the reason I'm able to do certain things because I did put the time in. So I never viewed like it'd be one thing if I were running off to some trip with buddies and drinking for three days. But if it was, I had to get stuff done at work, knowing that it was going to help me in my job. And that's the way I supported the family. Kind of goes both ways. So, like I said, I it's a hard thing to communicate in today's world. I just and it's like because like yeah. I honestly, I want every parent to see every kids every, all their soccer games. I do, but same time, yeah. Like you may miss a couple because you got to set up a pitch meeting for something. So, like I said, and I've said this to, I've said this to people. It's like just think about. Like you're trying to build a career so, you know, you have a good life. It's a journey, right? right. So don't just be smart about it, you know, because like I said, I don't want to get myself in trouble by saying, no, you can't do that. Because mm-hmm. it's hard enough just, you know, for setting up, you know, work week of five days, let alone letting people know. So like I said, I make no apologies um, for missing things because like I said, I think uh, my age still working. so being productive and you know i think that's good i think my kids all saw that the other thing as i said to you like i really um like we didn't live we lived in westlake but like like monday through friday like was kind of like my thing with like whatever was had to get done got done but weekends we we spent mostly with the kids like we didn't come into town and you know do industry dinners like just for fun i mean and i said well if that hurts me so be it. But you know, you, you, enough five days. Like I get up every morning at four twenty. Oh my god! I get gosh. home at seven. Like that's enough. Thought I seven woke right. up early. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. Five o'clock. Oh complaints. my gosh! It's best time of day. Yeah. Um. So I always, I always send Matt text like at four thirty. Like call me when you get up. <laughs> oh my. What time do you go to bed though? Like nine nine thirty. I go to bed so at 9.30 and wake up at 5 every day with our little one. It's great, one. right? I do, but I need to get up before him. So now it's getting like 4.50, 4, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I meditate too, so that it kind of takes the edge off any oh, being that. tired or whatever. Yeah. Um, so with most of our guests, you're the mm-hmm. first one that actually has the power to green light. So it's a little, so sure. it kind of feels like a pitch. What are we, we doing? But we usually ask our guests for their advice on how we can continue our fame potentially get a television show again with the landscape you see where for Heidi and Spencer, how do, how do we get back on TV? Spidey 16th yeah. minute. What's, what would you do if you were our agent or manager? What's the, what's our, what's our angle? This is, I can't get a prep on this. No, 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 <laughs> no one does. Um, let me see. Well, you want to expand your, who you are. And you've got experience. You've got bumps and bruises from over the years. So, again, there's no bad ideas here, right? Because we're brainstorming. Oh, yeah. Like reality show coaches. Has anybody brought that up? Kind of. We did. We had. We shot a pilot. We shot a pilot yeah, for it. Yeah. Like, like there's some part of that 
which strikes me like, like, because sometimes people like, you know, the, the ups and downs of fame, particularly in the reality space, because it's different because it's, it's you, right? Right. <laughs> it's not, well, that was a script. I, and the writers all suck, you know, right. <laughs> none of that. So uh, that's, again, that's the first idea. Um, hmm. You know, again, <clears throat> I mean, I may be stepping on my own toes here. I always think it's funny. Like, like small town versions of like these shows are all shot in LA and Manhattan Beach and Orange County, the Beverly Hills and then Atlanta. It'd be funny to do like the Housewives of Des Moines. Has that been done? I don't. I'll, I'll be. I want to be a housewife. Because hold on, <laughs> every town has—they like, all watch these shows. They all have their version of it. Uh-huh. And a small town version would be much funnier. They may not get the joke, but like I just like I know in my hometown, like everyone wants to know everything about Hollywood. Like, and there's and they all say that well, there's versions of this in our town. And I don't know how that you. I'm just trying to have you like you could. Well, the Shits Creek was inspired by our story of like you ever watch that show? Yeah, so oh, yeah. Was that what it's called? Right? Yeah, Shits Creek. Yeah, so they said they were inspired by us when they made. So that is what we should have done is moved to. Well, you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't have moved to a little. Well, I'm motel. from Crested View. I'm from a small town in but Colorado. I just think the small. By, by the way, <laughs> the small town stuff. Like I always. Like this Murtaugh case with this guy in South Carolina. You like, follow this at all? With this, he murdered his Leslie murdered the wife and the son. Like every town to me, every small town has like that guy who controls everything. Mm. Like the zoning. Like it's you know, like there's one guy. Like every town's got that guy. And I always thought it'd be interesting to go like these like small town stuff is really fascinating because if you think about it. Like some stuff, most, a lot of stuff done now is, is satisfied like the coast. There's a lot to be done with the flyover states. Like in terms of, like, they like, pro, I mean, there's interesting things going on there too with the do. So we got to think, think geography. I love yeah, that because I want to be like, a housewife. <sighs> so I'm in. Here's the other thing. Maybe that's where I'm going. And again, it was a good question catching me off guard a little bit. <laughs> but you you've got experience on both sides of the camera, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like as like you've seen a lot of things, like producing as and figure out a way to like involve keep your because you want to keep your profile high, visibility high, so your social media. I, I get all that. Wow, that's a good question. I, I don't. I I think the Shit's Creek idea. Like that would have been a good, but who, I mean, would you have thought that that would have been? I don't know. Maybe I like, I would think. Or her family had a restaurant that was going out of business during the like collapse. And we used to always say like, what if we moved to your small town and tried to like save the restaurant? So there was, that really was pre Shits Creek that that was an Mm -hmm. idea that we probably should have done for the restaurant. But, you know, now he's an amazing uh, private chef. So. I think doing something in a small town would be lots of fun. Like I say, whether it's just because every town has like those characters and sometimes it's just like you expect certain things in LA and New York and Atlanta and Chicago, but these small towns, they got it all happening too. 
All from right. a genius. Right, there it is. All right, there it is. I love that. I did not tell him the pitch. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I like I. If you go to some of these small towns, like you'll, I, I'm from a small town, so I can say this. Like you can go in the Olive Garden, whatever, and see the same stuff going on with a group of men or women, and uh, in the Olive Garden as you see in some stupid fancy restaurant in Beverly Hills. With it's just, but it's more. Cause, and it's more interesting because these are real people. Yeah. Like, you, know, you probably don't feel as, it probably feels more real. You should see the characters in my town. So, so usually well. at the end, we say, you know, what your TikToks, your Instagram, I'm pretty sure you're, uh, not, are you very active on social media? Not at all. So when, when, you, when you go through a, when you've been hacked and been through a hack, like you just get a little wounded yeah. in terms of putting anything out. I like to be private with that stuff. So for upcoming movies that our audience can support, though, what, what's or on Netflix. the slate or a stream? Or um, village roadshow projects? We can uh, let's see. Can I just? I, I got to keep that one a secret. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe. to be okay. to be discussed. Okay. Uh, I may have already. I, mean, I was thinking a lot, but if I say it, I'd get myself in trouble. But I, I won't. We should check because I may have already known it and introed you with no, this. So we may that's have to okay. edit it out. You can say it. We'll I can. definitely uh, edit it uh, out. If, okay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for uh, bringing the most juice to our 16th minute. Yes. I think hopefully uh, this is fun. It's uh, again, credit to two of you because like I said, it's uh, like I said, the, the people I think feel most, um, they're inspiring the people and feel most that's where I'm, I'm talking about you guys personally. When you make the pivot, I mean, a lot of people don't make the pivot. They get stuck in the in their past or whatever. Mm -hmm. and it's, so for two of you, like you've you've got this you have your personal brands, but you've you've elevated them to this, and and there's more to come. But it's like uh, it's hard for people. I mean, it's because you can't get stuck. Yeah, you know and. I'm just glad we're yeah, not in we rehab on heroin. <laughs> so that's, that's a new positive. Yeah, it took us a minute to to pivot and to get unstuck and to move forward and to not be stuck in that shadow and that height it's of hard. fame. It's hard, especially when it is like the height of money and fame and you can't just, you know, be that person anymore. That's not your identity. So to be able to move forward and not have the ego attached to that and be able to be creative and to move forward. Yeah. So that was, it took, so, it took some time. And it's also hard when, you, when your life is led in the public eye. So it's, right. kudos to you for doing that and, and face that. But to be, taste my little guilty pleasure here is I read all the magazines. So I read um, People, Globe, Inquirer, um, In Touch, all of them. We get them every week at Gelson's, right? Just because, and, and but and the funny story is, I was on a plane one time, and I've got sitting in front of me. So I, I love to read stuff because I, to me, that's how I discover things. I've got Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Globe, Inquirer, uh, had the Examiner too, which is another version of the. Anyway, this guy's looking at me. He goes, "All right, I never do this on planes, but I have to ask you a question. Like, what do you do?" Because I've never seen somebody reading the trashiest, shittiest <laughs> magazines. And then the newspapers you're reading. And I told him, it makes perfect sense. I go, I got to know what's going on with my my guys. You know, it's like, if I got somebody, you know, it's fun to read. But 
So that's like you. You read everything. You have that's to. Good well, now my new favorite code is watch everything, and it goes to read. It's the same as that executive Fox told you watch everything. You have and to read it, and that's why she's like, "Do you ever stop?" I'm like, "No," because now I have so many apps. I'm trying to keep up with everything. I'm like, like a freaking well, AI robot just trying to. I love to still read print, like real newspaper, mm-hmm. because if you're if you're on your phone. It's going to program. It's going to send you stuff that you think you like. I just find like this stuff that I would never have thought of being interested in. It'll pop up and read about it. Not so, so tailored. Well, well thank, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.